0: The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. If you've already started to, let me invite you to open to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and we continue to work through the Beatitudes, and as you're turning to Matthew chapter 5, I was uh, thinking about uh, my old college coach, his name is Ron Summers, and he was a volunteer track coach. Uh, He he worked uh, first shift at a power plant and then came after work to come help us uh, throwers on the, the college track team and he was a fantastic guy. Uh, he was actually, he held world records in his master's age division in track events uh, and in weightlifting. And some of my favorite memories of Ron is that the, the throwers would be in the gym, we'd be working out, we'd be feeling real good about ourselves, you know, throwing some weight around. And then Ron would just kind of waltz in, wearing jeans after work, and he'd say, Hey guys, how's it going? And then he'd just casually join in on the exact same weight that we were lifting, and he was like 60 years old. So, uh I thought of Ron because when I hear the word meek, uh, there are things that immediately come to mind. We're studying today the the third beatitude in verse 5, blessed are the meek. Uh, And on the one hand, Ron certainly comes to mind as I think about a humble person, a meek person, a mild person, and yet Jesus' words confront me because that's actually not what Jesus means. Per se, when he uses the word meek. And you and I need to know what Jesus is saying because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, especially in this section of the Beatitudes, saying some of the most important spiritual truths for Christian believers to understand. But so often, the words that he uses and the things that he says are not what they first appear. And so we have to linger on them to seek to understand what is the Lord Jesus truly saying to us here. Uh, That's been true of every beatitude so far. And uh, Lord willing, we'll see together in this third beatitude that what Jesus is saying to us uh, so confronts our natural senses Because Jesus is not talking about the natural kingdom. He's talking about his spiritual kingdom. And the question that we need to ask is, do we have eyes to see and ears to hear the call of the king speaking of that glorious kingdom? So, in preparation for hearing God's word, let's pray and ask God's blessing upon his word that we might indeed hear and understand. Lord God, we bow now and we pause to say that you are Lord of heaven and earth, that you are the creator and sustainer of all things, that you reveal yourself in nature, and yet, Lord, we can only know you generally by that creation, but here in your word, you reveal specifically who you are, what you're like, what you would require of us, your people. And so, Lord, as we hear the king speak to us today, may we be those citizens of that kingdom who are eager to listen and quick to apply the words of the king And so, Lord, speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And now hear God's word in Matthew 5 through the third beatitude, which is verse 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. And you have an insert in your bulletin there that will guide our way through understanding this third beatitude. And uh, I really wonder uh, how these beatitudes have been falling on You as you approach them and consider them the words that Jesus says because I have to acknowledge that it had been a while since I've spent any considerate amount of time studying the Beatitudes and they are so much more than what I had remembered them. They're saying more they are deeper in significance and if I approach them with the wrong attitude they very quickly deflate me as I approach them in my own strength. Now Let's see how we get to the third beatitude quickly before we understand what it's all about. As I said, we're only on the third beatitude, uh, but I hope, I hope that as we've been spending this time uh, that Jesus and his kingdom have come into greater clarity for you When Jesus is giving the Beatitudes, he is giving descriptions of what it means to be a citizen of his kingdom. Uh, This is what it means to be blessed. This is what it means to be happy in Christ's kingdom. This is what it means to truly be a part of the kingdom that Jesus reigns over, which is another way of saying that the Beatitudes describe the true Christian believer. The Beatitudes are descriptions of the true Christian believer. And as we've been studying these things, we have been learning that Jesus' words are intended to teach us that the kind of life that Jesus requires from us is not something that we can produce in and of ourselves. What Jesus requires from us is not something that we can attain on our own or produce for ourselves. And if you notice, as we move through the first, second, and third beatitude, there is this steady emptying of myself as I progress through the Beatitudes. I'm emptied out. Look again at the first Beatitude. The first Beatitude about poverty of spirit means that I've come to a true knowledge of myself and I realize that there is nothing in me that commends me to God. I fall short. There's nothing I can provide to God in terms of criteria or resume and I merely realize that I need God and I need His grace completely. In the second beatitude, we move from the understanding of my poor spirit to the reality that I must lament it. Jesus says in verse 4, blessed are those who mourn their state of spiritual poverty. And then therefore, once we have realized that we are poor in spirit, once we take that poor spirit and then lament it through mourning, then it makes way for this third beatitude, which is the virtue of meekness but we must make our way through the Beatitudes. Each one builds on itself. And I wonder what you understand Jesus to mean when he says, blessed are the meek. Because when his first century listeners heard Jesus say, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, they would have been astonished because their expectation of Jesus and of his kingdom sounded nothing like what Jesus is actually saying. Because just like today, the virtues of power and strength are the means of conquest. And Israel was looking for a king to bring a kingdom with military might to overthrow Roman oppressors. And Jesus here comes speaking of a kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, victory comes not to the powerful, but to the meek. Conquest comes not to those who are strong, but to those who, again, are meek. Jesus says, you, they only, who are meek, shall inherit the kingdom shall inherit the earth and as as confusing as that was then it is equally as confusing today so if you two were to explain what it means to be meek in the eyes of jesus to someone else what does it mean what is meekness what is a biblical definition of meekness and what is jesus getting at Uh, we want to see that today as we see these several things i've got four questions here under the question of a survey of christian meekness Uh, What does it mean? What does it look like? Both inwardly and outwardly. And what blessing does it bring? Jesus is here as the king. Speaking to the citizens of his kingdom. And those who would like to come into his kingdom. And he says, in order to be in my kingdom you must be meek. And the questions that we ask are, am I in that kingdom? And if I am, that must mean I am meek. But what does that mean? So, The first question that we have to ask is, what does it mean to be meek? Now, again, we acknowledge the fact that meekness is not really a word that we use very often. uh, And that's because there are probably other translations of the word that we're more familiar with. But again, similar to being poor in spirit as a positive virtue, we don't speak oftentimes of people praising their character and saying, oh, they are so meek. They are so meek. But nevertheless, it's a word the Bible uses now, again, most of us are looking at an ESV translation of the Bible, but if you have perhaps a different translation of the Bible, this Greek word could also be translated as gentle or humble. The word that Jesus uses here in verse 5 could mean those things. It could also mean other things like mild or soft. Uh, in more secular Greek literature, this word is used oftentimes to describe soothing medicine. Or a soft breeze. Meek is how we have it rendered here for us. This same word is oftentimes used to describe uh, animals that have been domesticated. Trained to behave under the hand of their master. It's also used to describe humans who have learned to behave. Sometimes we speak of wives domesticating their husbands. uh, Letting them learn to be mannerly. Uh, This Greek word would apply in that type of circumstance. When we describe someone as a gentleman, we mean they are mannered. Or the oldest version of the Greek word would simply mean to be meek. But all of those understandings, uh, domesticated animal, a gentleman, those are all natural understandings of this word. And Jesus is not talking about a natural kingdom. He's talking about a spiritual kingdom. And so therefore, when Jesus speaks of meekness, it is not a natural quality. It is a spiritual one. And so therefore, just being a gentleman doesn't mean that I am a citizen of Christ's kingdom. It might mean that I am mannerly in the eyes of society, but it doesn't mean that I have my place among the kingdom of God. And so we have to dispel natural thoughts of meekness. And natural associations of meekness. That when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, he's not just talking about your personality. Okay, so let's cast aside a few things here. Meekness is not the same thing as weakness. Meekness is not cowardice or spinelessness or timidity or the attitude of always aiming to please others and bowing at every breeze that blows at you. It does not suggest indecisiveness or wishy-washiness or a lack of confidence. Meekness is not necessarily shyness or a withdrawn personality of an introvert. Meekness is not just being nice in Christ's spiritual kingdom. But true biblical meekness, what Jesus is talking about here, is a disposition of my spirit. A disposition of my soul. Not just my outward personality. It is meekness that describes who I am on the inside, not just who I allow people to see on the outside, not just who I appear to be outwardly, but who I truly am inwardly. And so therefore meekness is a matter of the heart and of the soul, not just a character or or behavior personality. That's what real meekness is. So what does it look like? What does meekness look like inwardly? The question that we should be asking is Am I a meek person? What would that look like inwardly? Well, meekness is a true view of an attitude of myself. Meekness is a true view of myself. And remember how important that is in relationship to the first and second beatitude. Meekness can only be present in those who know they are poor in spirit, who know themselves sinful before God and lamenting their sins, coming to God as their only refuge. Mourning follows being poor in spirit. And once we are poor in spirit and mourn our sins, then we are led to an absolute emptying out of ourselves and emptying out of our pride. And so therefore, the meek person is not proud of themselves. The meek person does not in any way glory in themselves. The meek person does not see within themselves reason to boast in themselves before God. The meek person does not demand that other people bow before them. They do not demand for position or privilege or possession or status. Why not? Because they know who they truly are before God. And what a person is before God is what they really are. And the meek person sees themselves before God and cultivates an attitude that Paul speaks of in Philippians chapter 2 and you see that on your outline there. The truly meek person Understands that, as Paul writes, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. And the meek person understands that if Jesus is able to empty himself of his possessions, of his rightful claims, then we who are sinners, compared to Jesus who is not a sinner, ought also to be those who are emptying of ourselves and meek. True meekness means, growing in meekness means that I am not sensitive about myself because I do not regard myself. Naturally, I am. Naturally, I am totally consumed with myself. But the work of the Spirit of God upon us means that we come to the understanding that I am not the measure of all things. And so therefore, the truly meek person is the one who has stood before God, turned out their pockets, and abdicated all of their claims and all of their supposed rights. The meek person sees that they have deserved judgment but received mercy. And if I deserve judgment but receive mercy, then that means that everything else is totally of grace. I don't have any claim to it. It's not right for me to have it if it's grace. If it's grace, it's just grace. There is no insistence of rights. To be meek means to be finished with myself altogether. Jesus would ask, are you meek inwardly? And if I am meek inwardly, then I am also therefore meek outwardly. What does that look like? There are several examples in the Bible that specific people that are even called meek and one example that we can maybe think of uh, that's hopefully fresh in our memory is Abraham is spoken of as meek when he defers to Lot and lets Lot have the possessions of the land and, and he takes first right over them and Abraham sits back rather trusting in God. Moses in Numbers chapter 12 is also described as meek and the ultimate example of meekness is of course the Lord Jesus himself and we'll come back to that. But what does, what does meekness adorn my life with when it comes to my outward life? What would true biblical genuine meekness of the, of the heart and soul that Jesus speaks of here, how does that manifest itself in how I treat other people and, and how I interact? First of all, and I think this might be the most important, and I have a small list here, but think of this one most of all. Biblical meekness outwardly means that I am less conscious of your sin and more conscious of mine. It's amazing how much grace we love God to show us, but are slow to show other people. And growing in meekness means that I am more bothered by my sin than I am yours. If you are growing in Christian meekness, it means you are more bothered by your own sin than somebody else's. That is something that we need to seal to our hearts today. If I have my eyes lowly toward myself and focusing on the Lord Jesus, then I am not looking around at other people to make evaluation. True meekness means I am less conscious of other people's sins. Secondly, It means we will be patient and long-suffering even in the face of injustice. Do you experience injustice? Do you experience suffering? Do you experience wrongdoing? The Bible says don't be surprised about that. But what do you do when you face injustice? And what do you do when you face persecution and suffering? What is your spirit towards that? The Bible calls us to be like Jesus in 1 Peter 2. It says that when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. When you experience difficulty, when you experience persecutions and sufferings, is it your aim to get yours in return? Or do you quiet yourself under the hand of providence that God has dealt you to, in a moment, suffer? Another thing true meekness means outwardly, it means that I am not offended by other people's comments about me. Growing in biblical meekness means that I am not offended by other people's comments about me because I know that when people speak evil of me, I know that not only is it true, it's probably worse than they know. And so I am not so sensitive and so easily offended It also means that I am sensitive to the righteous confrontation of other people. It's easy when in a group setting, we are able to say, we are sinners. But if someone approaches you with genuine concern over a matter and says, you, it's a totally different thing oftentimes. When someone points out my sin, I must own it and that's harder True meekness is cultivated when we, not when we expect or demand to be treated well, but when we are actually amazed that we are treated as well as we are. Because we know intimately what we deserve being poor in spirit and mourning our sins. You see, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is speaking much firmer words than oftentimes people associate. He is inviting you to empty yourself here. But by doing so, every beatitude has an associated blessing. If we are pursuing cultivating meekness inwardly and outwardly, notice the blessing that he offers. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, very quickly, the they is those who are meek and only those who are meek. But Jesus says, to the meek, to you who have emptied yourself, you shall inherit the earth. And that means that I have no problem saying what I do not possess within myself because of what God has promised I will have, and that is better. What Jesus has promised me is better than any claim that I would seek to work up within myself. When Jesus says, they shall inherit the earth, he's drawing on Psalm 37 verse 11. Psalm 37 verse 11 says, the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Because the meek person is a more content person. They have a more settled peace. And they have no cause for earthly concern because they will inherit the earth. And that means, first of all, 2 Corinthians 6.10 says, In Jesus Christ, we already possess everything because Jesus Christ possesses everything. And we are in union with him. And all that is true of him is true of us. And because he possesses everything, we possess everything in Jesus Christ. But also secondly, that the Bible promises that one day you as a Christian believer will reign with Jesus over the new heavens and new earth. That you will have a place of authority along with Jesus. And so if I in this brief earthly life will embrace the call to meekness, I am realizing that it is for such a greater reality in eternity. That we are heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ, Romans 8 says. The meek shall inherit the earth. So, Jesus is speaking these words to us, and they're wonderful for application. We've seen it already, but let's let's especially emphasize it here now. What does it look like for you and I to grow in Christian meekness? Because here's a reality every single one of us is not as we ought to be yet, we're all growing. Every single one of us is not where we ought to be. By God's grace, we're not where we used to be either. So there's encouragement, but there is also encouragement to continue to press on. So, people of God, how will you respond to Jesus' words? Because being meek as a Christian believer is not an option for you. We must be meek, and we are crystal clear about this fact. We cannot make ourselves meek. And apart from the Spirit of God, we never want to be meek, which is why meekness is not possible for the natural person. It's possible for someone to be outwardly, mannerly, but true inward meekness is a result of the work of grace by the Holy Spirit. And if you have a true Christian profession of faith, if you truly profess the Christian faith, that means that you truly possess the Holy Spirit, and you are called to meekness. And that means that there is no excuse for my pride. Jesus is saying, this is what true citizens of my kingdom look like. So what should we do? Two things. We should do two things. And the first thing is, is that we should repent. We should repent. We should repent because when we hear Jesus' words, blessed are the meek, We too quickly dismiss the Lord Jesus' words, wrongly believing that meekness is for better kinds of Christians than us. There are other kinds of Christians who will take care of the meek business. I'll do other things. Not realizing, of course, that just like every beatitude, this is not a description of the best kinds of Christians. It is a description of true Christians. And so... Who are you? If you are someone who would hear the description of inward biblical meekness and say, you know, that's just not me. Jesus is speaking to you saying, repent. Repent because I love you, but repent. If you are someone who is harsh, if you are mean to other people, if you are not gentle with your words and your treatment of other people, repent. If you are a selfish person who is always out to get yours first, if you care little about how your actions affect other people, Jesus says, repent. If you are vengeful, if you are a person known that other people better not cross you, because you get your pound of flesh. Jesus says, repent. If you are uncontrolled, if you are given to fits of anger, if you explode at everybody because you think everybody's a fool, except for you, Jesus says, repent and pursue meekness. We repent by putting off the deeds of the flesh and by putting off our pride and cultivating inward meekness that stands at the foot of the cross and says, Lord, everything you give me is of grace. And then we should put on the deeds of the Spirit and cling to Jesus Christ in obedience by pursuing that meekness, again, with this sense of an unwillingness to be offended. I remember when I moved out to Boston, and I don't know what it is about the Northeast, and I don't know if it's just a geographic thing there, but everybody out in the Northeast talked about being offended all the time. This offends me, and that offends me, and that offends it's like you have to think so highly of yourself to be offended. But if you don't regard yourself so haughtily, you are inoffendable. Don't be so offended because you don't think that much of yourself. Learn of Jesus who says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Do you remember what he says? For I am gentle and lowly of heart and when Jesus says gentle there it's the same word in Matthew 5 5 that's translated as meek who is meek but the Lord Jesus to learn of Jesus the one who is always meek always gentle And every single one of us here today needs to learn of him and he invites us all to grow in grace and put off in repentance the ways in which we have not been meek and instead pursue meekness to realize the blessing that comes to those who are meek, the inheritance of the earth. Jesus says, you are blessed. Don't worry about the world's evaluation of you. Don't worry about yourself. Don't have such a high view of you, but have an astonishingly high view of Jesus and pursue his kingdom so that you might know his blessing and be content with the promise that you will inherit the earth. And so people of God, when Jesus speaks his word to us here, I believe we all need to quiet ourselves and ask the Spirit of God to search our hearts. That we might grow and reflect more clearly the beauty of Jesus' own meekness. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that, that in your word you speak to us truth. And Father, we are those who need to hear. It would be easy. Lord, to never hear a word like this and instead to pursue only the things that would scratch our ears and tickle our fancy and build us up in our own image. But Lord, you don't call us to build us up in the image of ourselves. You want us to be more like Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that through your spirit, you would work in and amongst us that we might be the true citizens of your kingdom and content in the strength of meekness to the glory of your name we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.